Well, it's a privilege to be here this morning. I'll try not to mention too much about Texas today. The, uh, but the Rangers did win last night. And, uh, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, I remember the days when uh, Texas and Pittsburgh played in Super Bowls and different things. And, and I remember getting beat a few times. I do, I do. But that's not the important thing this morning, is it? We're here to worship God this morning. and We'd like for you to open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 137. If you have your Bibles with you. and Let me give you the background as you're opening your Bibles to this. There was a time when Israel had a song. It's referred to back in the book of Exodus chapter 15. You remember the story. If you've been in church any time of the children of Israel actually being in captivity and God raised up a man by the name of Moses to lead the children out of Egypt. They came to the Red Sea, and we see God worked a marvelous miracle. He parted the Red Sea. And it tells us as the children of Israel crossed over, they, got, they had a song they sang. It's found there in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and I'll just read it for you this morning. It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song to the Lord. And spake, saying, I will... Sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare for him a habitation. My Father's God, I will exalt him. So there was a time when God gave him a special song. It was a song of redemption. It was a song of redemption from the land of Egypt headed towards the promised land. And they were joyous people. They had a song. I think if we can remember back this morning, if you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, maybe you can remember back to the time that God gave you a song. When God forgave you of your sins and lifted the burden from guilt and shame from your life. And you felt that burden being lifted and he gave you a song. And you was willing to share that with anybody else. You were enthusiastic about what God had done in your life. Can you remember that time in your life? Can you go back to that time? Maybe it was a child, maybe it was a teenager, maybe it was an adult. But you remember a time when God met with you and he redeemed you. He, he let you know that your sins had been totally forgiven. And God gave you a joy, a source of joy that passeth all understanding. He gave you a song. That's what he did to the children of Israel. As they crossed over the Red Sea, it was actually somewhat of a sign of redemption from Egypt into the promised land. And, and so we see they had a song. And they began to sing that song. We know they became a, a halfway prosperous nation later on. And in the prosperity, they forgot God. We find over in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 22 and verse number 1, it says, I spake unto thee. In thy prosperity. And thou saidest, I will not hear. There came a time of the nation of Israel where they forgot to worship God. Where literally they forgot the prophets, they wouldn't listen to the prophets. It was a time of prosperity. And so therefore they thought they didn't need God, apparently. Well, that's not a new story. The story's been repeated over and over again, hasn't it? It's probably been repeated even in our life, if we think about it. There was a time when God gave us a song. 
And we started serving God and maybe God prospered us. He gave us a stable home. He gave us some financial security. He gave us a good church. He gave us some growth in our spiritual life. And we thought everything was just going along well. And then in the prosperity, we, forget, read it, we forgot to read our Bible. We forgot to pray. We started forsaking the house of God. We quit tithing. We quit witnessing. Something happened to the song. We see here the children of Israel in their prosperity had forgotten God. We'll look on over to the book of Isaiah chapter 16 and verse number 6 and it says, Lord in trouble have thy visited us. It says they poured out our prayers when the chastening of the Lord was upon them. There came a time when God says, you've forgotten me. You've demoralized the priest. You started worshiping Baal and other gods of the land. You've forgotten me. So I'm going to send some adversity in your life. I'm going to allow adversity to come into your life. And it says, in adversity, they poured out their heart to God. It's a shame in our Christian life that sometimes that's what it takes, isn't it? It takes a time of adversity for us to remember God again. And put him in the rightful place in our life. And basically this is where we pick up this morning here in Psalms chapter 137. It says, by the rivers of Babylon we were set down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hang our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. It says, for there they had carried us away captive, recorded of us a song. And they that wasted us recorded of us myrrh. And it says, saying, sing unto us the songs of Zion. They asked the question, how can we sing the song to the Lord's song in a strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let thy right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let thy tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. For if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Here we see the children of Israel now then were in captivity again. And in captivity, they started to remember they used to sing. <laughs> they used to have joy. We see here in captivity in Babylon, they thought more of the Lord than they did in Jerusalem. Here in captivity on the banks of the river Euphrates, they thought more of the Lord than they did by the river Jordan. Here in adversity, when their joy had been taken from them, and their, you might say their freedom had been taken from them, they remembered God more here than in the times of joy in our life. Here in the time of adversity, they remembered God more than in the times of prosperity. God allows sometimes adversity in our life to wake us up again, to make us understand that the source of our joy is not wealth. The source of our joy is even not family. The source of our joy is not a good job. The source of our joy is not our good health. The source of our joy is found in a person called the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here in this passage of scripture that we're reading today, it tells us on the banks of the Euphrates, they begin to weep. And they took their hearts and they hung up on the willows. They began to remember 
what they had back there when God redeemed them and let them cross over the Red Sea. We have people in our church that used to attend faithfully for years. Some of them came in on wheelchairs. Some of them came in on electric carts and things just in order to get to church. And now then they cannot come because their health has deteriorated more. And you go visit them in their home or in their rest home and they said, man, we wish we could come to church. That was a source of encouragement and strength for them their whole life. And now then they cannot do that and they wish they could come. Many of these people were very faithful people, so therefore it's not because of anything in their life that they have to miss church today, just because of circumstances. But they miss church. I remember as a young preacher, I was about 26 years of age, we started a church in a state called Idaho. I remember one Sunday I was sick, and that's the first time I'd ever been sick on Sunday. <laughs> I had to miss church. I remember sitting over there in the house, which was next door to the church, and I started weeping. But I missed church. I missed being with God's people. I missed being able to preach and being able to teach the Word of God. I missed the songs that we sang. I just missed the fellowship with one another. And I found myself tears coming down out of my, on my cheeks and missing the opportunity to be in church that Sunday morning. But you know, it doesn't take long when we miss for a while. We become a little indifferent, don't we? We come to the place, you know, it's not too hard to miss. <laughs> it's not too hard to forget reading the Word of God. It's not too hard to forget that time of prayer. Then God says, you know, it's not because I don't love you, but because I do love you. I'm going to allow something in your life to let you know that the source of your joy is me, is me. So we see in this passage of Scripture, it says they hung their hearts. They hung their hearts because basically God had allowed them to go into a period of chastisement because they had forgotten God. So in reality, the bottom line is the hearts were hanging on the willows because of sin in their had forgotten God. And God had allowed chastisement to come into their life because of that. Now, I'm not saying this morning every chastisement we have in our life is because of we've, we've sinned. But I'm saying many times God will allow adversity in our life because of sin. We know that Job in the Old Testament was a righteous man. It says he hated sin and he prayed and he led his family. And God allowed a problem in his life of great proportions, not because of something Job did, but because God wanted to teach him even something more in his life, and he find it out as you read through the book of Job. And so not all chastisement is because of sin in our life, but sometimes it is, isn't it? God allows it to come to remind us how important God is in our life. So it says they hung their harps there upon the willows. Maybe they hung their harps because they did not have the joy to sing anymore. They still had their hearts, but they just weren't playing them. Could I make a spiritual application there for you? If you're one of God's children this morning, the source of your song is still with you. Your salvation is still there. 
The Holy Spirit still abides within. The source of our song is still available to us. But because of sin, because of our neglect, because of backsliding, because of loss of fellowship with God, we're not singing anymore. The joy is not there. We've lost the joy. We've lost the ability to sing and our ability to share with other people how big God is and how much God means to us because we've lost that first love. We've lost the song, the joy. But I've got good news for you this morning. It doesn't have to stay that way, does it? It doesn't have to stay that way. Do you hunger for that joy? Do you hunger for that song again in your life? Do you want to sing again? Well, we can. Look with me for a moment over the Psalms chapter 51. In Psalms chapter 51, we see here a man that gives us an illustration that he had lost his joy. His name is David. Most of you here this morning probably know the story of David. You know the reason of Psalms chapter 51 is because of sin with a, with a woman named Bathsheba. And because of that sin, he had lost his joy. We look on down here in Psalms chapter 51 and verse number 8. It tells us here, it says, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Just re previously before this, we see that David had poured out his heart to God. He says, God, to thee only have I sinned. And he says, Blot out my transgression. Restore unto me. Restore unto me. And he says, Now that he says, There was a time in my life that I lost the joy that I had. I lost the fellowship with God. I didn't lose the relationship, but I lost the fellowship. And I think all of us know there's a difference between relationship and fellowship, isn't there? If you're here this morning and you have a husband or wife and children, in reality, those children can never cease being your kids. That's a relationship. But you do know that fellowship can be broken, don't you? You do know that the joy of the home can be messed up. And when there's not fellowship in the home, the joy is not there. Isn't that right? So we see here, this is what had happened to David. The relationship was still there. He was still a child of God. But his joy was not there because the fellowship was not there. So he says to God, he says, I want you to restore to me the joy and the gladness. I'll restore to me the bones that are broken in my life. And he goes on down in verse number 10, and it tells us there in verse number 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart. O oh God, a renew a right spirit within me. Cast out now away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I will not comment on verse number 11 very much this morning, but I think just to throw it out there, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not live within. That's the New Testament principle of the Word of God. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and rested upon man and it came and went. It wasn't until in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit came and indwelt us. So we see here, it tells us, he says, he says, Lord, I need that Holy Spirit to be upon me again. And I think we can relate to that just a little bit. Even though the Holy Spirit never leaves us as a Christian today, there's times in our life that we know the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And then there's times in our life that the power of the Holy Spirit just doesn't seem to be there. And so we, maybe we can relate to David here. He says, God, restore to me the power of the Holy Spirit upon my life. Then it goes on in verse number 12 and it says, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Lord, I need the joy again. I need the right spirit again. Lord, I need to experience your power in my life again. 
Lord, restore to me that joy. Let me take that harp down off of the willow and be able to play it again. Give me my song back. Maybe you find yourself in that condition this morning. You miss the song. You miss the sweet fellowship. See, God wants us to enjoy him. God wants us to enjoy us walking with him, talking with him. God wants us to just be able to walk down the road together. And literally, and I don't think he's being off base too much, he just wants us to hold hands with him and walk down the road with him. He wants to talk to us sweetly, and he wants us to talk to him. He wants us to be a friend on friend. Do you know God like that? Have you walked with God like that? Do you have the joy of being able to just walk in with God and enjoying his fellowship, enjoying his presence in your life? If you've never experienced that, that is something you need to know in your life. If you have experienced it and you don't have it today, I guarantee it's something you miss. It's kind of like that relationship between husband and wife. You know when the spark is not there. In reality, you desire it again, don't you? You desire it. It's even more prominent with our relationship with God. We know when the spark is not there. We know when the song is not there. And many times it's because of sin in our life. It's because of neglect. That in the times of prosperity... We have forgotten God. And God loves us too much to leave us out there. See, God wants fellowship with us more than we want fellowship with him. God loves us more than we love him. And so therefore, whenever we're out of fellowship with him, he does everything he possibly can to say, hey, come home. Come home. Come back and enjoy the sweet fellowship. Come back and take the harp again and play it again. He says, I want that fellowship. So there's a, t- there's a way to restore that fellowship in our life. The book of 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe we need today to say, you know, God, I've sinned. I've sinned against thee. Maybe it hasn't been adultery like David Maybe it's just been neglect. Maybe it's just taking God for granted. But God, I've sinned. And I want the joy back. I want it back. See, as Christians, we need to have that joy. We can restring our harps and we can pick them up again and we can put them in tune again. Because in reality, God wants us to have a song. And the world wants us to have a song. If we read up here earlier in this passage of Scripture, it says, it says the people who carried them away in verse number 3, captive, they required of us a song. They wanted to hear the songs of Zion. I guarantee you, your lost friends, your, fellow, your, your relatives that do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, those work acquaintances that do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've lived a life before them, whereby they know that you're saved and you have adversity in your life, Maybe it's your health, maybe it's you lost your job, maybe it's family problems, maybe it's children problems, maybe it's something else. And they know you're going through some problems. The world expects you to react differently. 
then they react. Because we've told them that we have a big God. That he can comfort us and he can give us mercy and grace in time of trouble. That doesn't mean that we get up and we shout for joy when problems come to our life. Because I think that's really not even scriptural to a certain extent. But I think we do need to come to the point and say, God, you've allowed this in my life for a reason. You're a big God. You're a sovereign God. God, I know you love me. And I love you. And God, whatever you've allowed in my life, there's a purpose behind it. And I might not be able to just jump up and down and holler and scream in joy, but there's a peace and a contentment there that passeth all understanding. There's a comfort there that the world does not know. So therefore, we can have a song even in the midst of trouble. We cannot have a song in the midst of sin, but we can have a song in the midst of trouble. We find this over in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's look there just for a moment. In 1 Peter chapter 4, look down to verse number 12 of 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you. In other words, he's saying here, it says, when problems come in our life as Christians, don't think it's strange. It happens to everybody. It happens to the saved. It happens to the lost. It happens to the spiritual Christians. It happens to the backsliding Christians. It doesn't make a difference. We all live in a world that's under the curse of sin, and we all have problems in our life. He says, don't think it's strange, but he goes on and tells us in verse number 13, but rejoice in this much as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye shall be glad also of exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you, it says, on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody and other, Peter, other man's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God on his, this behalf. The Bible teaches us there's some suffering that we're going to enter into just because we're Christians. The world is not like Christians. <laughs> Is that right? Amen. At school, at workplace, your neighbors. Now they, if you're consistent in that life, when they're going through problems, they'll probably call on you. But really, light and darkness just does not mix, does it? And if you're living a light, then the world is, sees that reproach upon them. Don't take that personally. You're just light. <laughs> Amen? You're just light. You're just salt. And so therefore the world is not going to immediately be attracted to you. But you know what the world expects from you when you're going through trouble? They expect you to still act like a Christian. They expect you to still have joy. They expect you to still have some light. But after all, if they see you acting differently in times of trouble than what they act then when they're going through trouble, they're going to ask you, how did you get through it? And you're going to be able to say, it's by the grace of God. You're going to be able to say, God gave me the strength. He gave me the mercy. He gave me the power to get through this. I have something bigger than my problems. I have God. And the world needs to see that. Don't you think so? A psychologist many years ago 
wrote a little booklet, and in the booklet he says, when Christians quit going to the world to answer their problems, maybe the world would come to us. <laughs> That's kind of a big thought, isn't it? Do we have somebody that can help us? Do we have somebody that can comfort us? Do we have somebody that can give us joy in times of trouble that the world does not have? Do they see it in our life? See, the world deserves to see joyous Christians. I'm not talking about hooping and hollering all the time, but I'm talking about a peace and contentment inside that the world does not have. It's a peace that passeth all understanding. It's a comfort that only God can give. Even in the times of trouble, in the times of heartache, in the times of trial, they can see that there's a Christian, there's somebody who believes in a big God. And that big God is ministering to them and talking to them and encouraging them and walking with them. They need to see that in our lives. And you know, sometimes God allows adversity in our life for us to be that testimony to our unsaved friends. Can you look at some of those adversities that you face that way? I have people watching my life, and they're going to see how I react. They're going to see what I do. We see here in this passage of Scripture, the world wants us to sing a song. And we can sing a song. As we think about this passage of Scripture, we go on down to verse number 7. And it tells us here, it says, Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, and say, Raise it, raise it, even the foundation thereof. And the daughters of Babylon says, Who art thou destroyed? Happy shall be the reward thee, for thou hast served us. In other words, the children of Israel here says, you know, we haven't forgot Jerusalem. We know we're children of God. And we know that one of these days, God is even going to take us out of this captivity. He's going to judge Edom. He's going to judge Babylon. We're going to be restored. We know our end. So even in captivity, they were saying, we still should have a song. We should still be different than the world that we're living in in captivity. I think there's a beautiful illustration of that back in the book of Job again. Let's look back there just a moment in the book of Job. We'll look back in Job chapter 19 and verse number 25. In Job chapter 19, verse number 25, and I think maybe most of you are familiar a little bit with the story of Job this morning. If not, let me just review just quickly. It starts out in Job chapter 1 that Job was a righteous man who hated evil. God allowed Job to be tried. He allowed Satan to buffet him. And there's a whole new message in itself. Satan could not touch Job unless God allowed it. Amen. Remember, everything that happens to us as God's people, everything that happens to us, God does not necessarily cause it but anything that happens to us as God's people is filtered through his hands. Are you following me? It's filtered through his hands. He says there's not anything that we face that he has not prepared us for. There's not anything that we face that he has not given us power to overcome. There's not any temptation that he has not already made a way of escape for. In other words, there's not a thing that happens to us as God's people that's not somehow not filtered through his hands. Now, I don't understand all that, but I believe that. I believe God loves me. Do you believe that? Did he have to, does he have to prove it more than the cross? Does he have to prove it any other way? 
that God loves us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Word of God. He's given us a church family. God loves us. But sometimes in adversity, we forget sometimes His love. But we see a person here in Job, that even in adversity, when he lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost his health. Even his own wife says, why don't you curse God and die? Somehow through it all, it says that Job never cursed God. Now, did Job have doubts? If you've read the book of Job, yes, he had doubts. He had doubts someday. God, are you listening? God, do you really care? But yet, he had a foundation that was so firm and steadfast. Let's listen to what he said here in Job chapter 19 and verse number 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, Yet in my flesh will I see God, whom shall I see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Notice that Job had a foundation that was sure and steadfast. Even in his doubts, even whenever he didn't understand what God is doing, he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And I know that one of these days he's going to stand here upon this earth. And I know that one of these days I'm going to see him face to face. So it doesn't make any difference. He says, if I die and go to the grave, there's going to be a resurrection. If I die and go to the grave and my body deteriorates even to dust and the worms eat it all up, there's going to be a resurrection. I'm going to see God one of these days. So therefore, Job says, I know who I am. I know who God is. I know he has a plan that one of these days he's going to judge this world. And he's going to take the righteous. He's going to take his kids. He's going to take them home to be with him. He says, I know that. So therefore, I can still sing a song. I know my Redeemer liveth. Could I ask you this morning, do you have a God like that? That you can sing a song even in diversity and trials, even in things that we don't like and don't understand, but we know God. And we know he's with us. And we know he loves us. And as far as we know, we're right with God. You can still have a song. Now, if you hear there's a Christian this morning and you're away from God, and you know that there's sin in your life that has not been confessed and made right, then you have a reason not to have a song. But don't you know you don't have to stay that way? God wants you to sing. He wants that fellowship. Now, if you're here this morning and do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never experienced the song to begin with, then Jesus died to give you a song. Jesus died to put joy in your life and peace in your life. For by those trials that you go through in life, you don't have to walk alone. He'll walk with you through every heartache and through every trial. And he'll give you grace and he'll give you mercy. The book of Hebrews tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. Do you have a need? He says he'll give you grace and he'll give you mercy in that time of need. Do you have a need today? I need to talk to my God. I hope he's your God. 
you can have a song. And you can sing again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Pastor Ken. Let us uh, bow our heads in prayer. There's nothing as great as having a song in a strange land. When we walk out these doors today, uh, we are in a strange land. And troubles come our way. The world does want us to sing a song. They want us to be different. They know we need to be different. I want to invite you today to to revitalize your Christian life so that in the midst of the deep waters that you're going through right now you can uh, you can have a song when you when you get rid of that barrier between you and God that sin barrier uh, that's when the song comes back if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your savior why don't you come forward at our invitation and just kneel here at this altar in this church front right up here in the front and Say, Lord, come into my heart today. Come in today. Come in to stay. Uh, I confess my sin to you, Lord. I'm, I'm ready to follow you. Dear Lord, as we uh, conclude our service by singing this song and giving this invitation, we pray that you'll move in our church. And, uh, Lord, just give us freedom and liberty to come to you and to respond to this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.